Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 112 of the Frontside Podcast. I'm Robert DeLuca, a software developer here at the Frontside, and I'll be your episode host. With me as co-host is Charles Lowell. Hey, Charles. Hello, Robert. Good morning. Good morning. This is an exciting podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing writing a proposal to the Unicode committee, getting it accepted and rejected. This is basically uh, making emojis, which I think is really awesome. Um, And we have two guests today who have an amazing story, uh, Amanda Hickman and Amberly Romo. Thank you both for joining us. Um, You two have an amazing story that I would really love to to dive into, and we're going to do that today. It's about basically creating your own emoji and getting that accepted so everybody can use that. And I think that's uh, that's super, super cool, something that I've always kind of wanted to do as a joke. And it seems like that's kind of where your stories began. So do you two want to jump in and uh, kind of start telling? So I think Amanda has a great beginning to this. Sure. I mean, hi, and thanks for having me. I don't even know where to begin. And really, for me, this starts with learning to sew my own clothes, which is an incredibly exasperating and frustrating process that involves a lot of ripping stitches back out and starting over. And Instagram was a really big part of me finding patterns and finding other people who were sewing their own clothes and learning from the process. So I wanted to be able to post stuff on Instagram. And it started to drive me absolutely crazy that there's emojis for wrenches and nuts and hammers. And there are no textile emoji. The best I could find was scissors, which is great because cutting patterns was a place where I spent a lot of time procrastinating. But that was it. And I knew a woman, Jennifer Aitley or Jenny, who had led a campaign to get the dumpling emoji into the Unicode character set. And I knew she'd succeeded in that, but I didn't really know much more about how that had worked. And so I started thinking, I should, I'm going to write a sewing emoji. I can do this. I can lead this campaign. And I started researching it and I actually reached out to Jenny and I discovered that she has created an entire organization called, what is it called? She's created an entire organization called Emoji Nation where she supports people who want to develop emoji proposals. So, but before you made, before you actually found the support system, you actually made the decision that you were going to do this and, and, and you found it, you know, from my perspective, like I kind of see emoji as this thing that's, it's, it's static. It's there. It's, it's something that we use, but it's, you know, the, the idea that I as an individual could actually contribute to that. Like, you know, I probably, you know, having come to that fork in the road would have said, eh, it's just, it is what it is. And I can't change it. Like what, what was the process in your mind to, to actually, Say, you know what, I'm actually going to see if I can have some effect over this process. It definitely started with a lot of anger and being just consistently frustrated. But I knew that someone else had already done this. So it was sort of on my radar that it was actually possible to change the emoji character set. And I think that if I didn't know Jenny's story, and it turned out I didn't know Jenny's story at all, but I thought I knew Jenny's story. But if I didn't know that basic thing that that somebody I knew who was a mere mortal like me had gone to the emoji subcommittee of the Unicode consortium and petitioned them to add a dumpling emoji. I am sure that I wouldn't have bothered, but I knew from talking to her that there was basically a process and that they have a format that they want proposals in and that it's possible to write them a proposal. And so I knew that much just because I knew Jenny and 
also, I think at that point, when I started thinking about this, the emoji nine, I should be more of an expert on the, the actual like emoji releases, but a new release of emoji had come out. There were a bunch of things in that release and it got a little bit of traction on Twitter. So I knew that the Unicode consortium had just announced a whole new slate of emoji. So I also sort of was generally aware that there was some kind of process by which emoji were getting released and expanded and updated. That's interesting. Do you know when that started? Because it seems like Apple started to add more emojis around like iOS 7 or something, but it was pretty static for a while, right? Or, or am I wrong? Well, and I actually am tempted to go look this up. But um, <laughs> the other piece that is not irrelevant here is that at the time, I was working at a news organization called BuzzFeed that you may have heard of. And so I <laughs> Maybe. Was, I don't know. That sounds kind of I familiar. I feel like people kind of know who they are. And so I was surrounded by emoji all the time. BuzzFeed is internet native of the highest order. And we had to use emoji all the time. And I had to figure out how to get emoji into blog posts, which I didn't really know how to do before that. Like I could put them on my phone, but that was it. And so I was sort of like immersed in emoji already. So I knew that there was a project called Emojipedia that was a whole kind of encyclopedia of emoji. And one of my colleagues at BuzzFeed, a woman named Nicole Nguyen, had written a really great article about the variation in the dance emoji. And if you look at the dance emoji, one of the icons that some devices use is this kind of woman with her skirt flipping out behind her that looks like she's probably dancing a tango. And then one of the icons that other character sets use and, and other devices use is this sort of round yellow lumpen figure with a rose in its mouth. Oh. That you sort of want to hug, but it's definitely not going to impress you with its tango skills. And she, she had written this whole article about how sort of how funny it was that you might send someone this like very cute dumpling man with a, with a rose <laughs> in mouth. and what they would see was sexy tango woman. <laughs> and, and I think there was some discussion. It was around that time also that Apple replaced the gun emoji with a water gun. Yep. <laughs> also, there was some discussion of the direction that the various emojis face. So one of the things that I learned kind of around that time was that every device manufacturer produces their own character set that's native to their devices, and they look very different. And so one of the things that that means is that there's a really big difference between putting a kind of like frustrated face with a gun pointing at it, which I don't really think of as very funny, but the sort of like, I'm going to shoot myself walk is very mm -hmm. different from pointing the gun the other way, which is very much like I'm shooting someone else. And so these sort of like distinctions, like what it means that the gun emoji can point two different ways when it gets used was also a sort of conversation that was happening. Mm -hmm. And None of that answers your question, though, which is when did the kind of rapid expanse of emojis start to happen? I feel like the story is, is setting into place there, though, because it, it's kind of it seems like there's a little bit of tension there of like, we're all kind of diverging here a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And they're sort of driving back towards maybe standardization. Well, there's actually, as far as I know, no real move towards standardization, but the Unicode Consortium has this committee that actually has representatives from definitely Apple and Microsoft and Google, and I forget who else is on the consortium. Jenny Aitley is now on the consortium. That's and she's, awesome. she's on the on the emoji subcommittee. But they actually do get together and debate the merits of adding additional emoji, whether they're going to be representative. One of their criteria is longevity. 
And I tend to think of this as the pager problem. There is indeed a pager emoji. And I sort of think that the Mm -hmm. Unicode Consortium wants to avoid approving another pager emoji. Because that was definitely a short-lived device. Right. I'm surprised it actually made it. The emoji must be older than I than than most people realize. My understanding is that very early Japanese computers had lots of emoji. There's a lot of different Japanese holidays that are represented in emoji. A lot of Japanese food is well represented in emoji. So if you look through the foods, mm. there's a handful of things that have been added recently. But a lot of the original emoji definitely covered Japanese cuisine very well. Um, Definitely remember when I got my first iPhone that could install iPhone OS 2, you would install an app from the App Store that then would allow you to go toggle on the emoji keyboard, but you had to install an app to do it. (laughs) And that's kind of like where the revolution started, for me at least, where I remember everybody starting to sending these things around. But if you look at Emojipedia, which has a nice kind of rundown of historical versions of the Unicode spec, in 1999, they added what I think of as the interrobang, which is the exclamation question mark together, and a couple of different Syriac crosses. So over the years, the committee has added a whole series of kind of warning icons and flags that all make sense. But then it is around, I would say, 2014, 2015, that you start to get the zipper mouth and rolling your eyes and nerd face and all of the kind of yeah things that are yeah. used in conversation now. The unicorn face. My regular emojis. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Go-tos. It certainly seems like the push to put more textile emojis ought to clear the hurdle for longevity, seeing as there's kind of like, what, several millennia of history there? Um, And just kind of how tightly woven, you know, pun intended, those things are into into, into like the human experience, right? Definitely, although technically there's still no weaving emojis. <laughs> um, there's no loom? There's no loom. And I, I think that a loom would be pretty hard to represent in <laughs> a little 8-bit <laughs> graphic. But what are the, yeah. the constraints? What are the constraints around? Uh, because right, ultimately, you know, we've already kind of touched on it that the emoji themselves, they're abstract representations. And, and you know, there are a couple of examples like the, the dancing one where – you know, the representation can vary quite widely. How do they put constraints around the representation versus like the abstract concept? You don't have to provide a graphic, but it definitely kind of smooths the path if you do. And it has, to, <laughs> yeah, it has to be something that's representable in that little bitty square that you get. You know, it, it has to be something representable in a letter size square. And so if it's not something that you can clearly see at that size, it's not going to be approved. And if it's not something that you can clearly illustrate at that size in a way that's clearly distinct from any other emoji, and also that's clearly distinct from sort of anything else that that image could be, it's not going to be approved. So being able to actually represent it in that little bitty size. And I don't know, I one of, one of the sort of sad facts of having ultimately worked with Emoji Nation on the approval process is that we were assigned an illustrator and she did some illustrations for us. And, and I never had to look at what the constraints were for the illustration because it wasn't my problem. Sometimes it, that's really nice. <laughs> yes, yes, it's very nice. And I ended up doing a lot of research. What made me really sad, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but one of the things that made me really sad is that the one we, we proposed a slate and the one thing that didn't get approved was the sewing needle. And it also didn't get rejected. So it's in this sort of strange nether space. 
it's kind of stuck in purgatory right now. But I did all this research and learned that the oldest known sewing needle is a Neanderthal needle. So it predates Homo sapiens and it's 50,000 years old. Whoa. Yeah. Not having a sewing needle just seems absurd. Yeah. We have been sewing with needles since before we were actually human beings. (laughs) (laughs) That's a strong case. That is a strong case. (laughs) Yes. That's what I thought. So if I sort of, I don't know if you want me to go back to sort of my narrative arc. So I I wanted to do a sewing needle and started researching a little bit. So that's literally the one, sorry to keep interrupting, but that's literally the one that started this whole journey. Yes, I wanted a sewing needle. And I really wanted a sewing needle. <laughs> I did a little research and then I reached out to Jenny and I w- to ask her if she had any advice. And she said, oh, you should join my Slack. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a kind of advice. She and I talked about it. And she said that she thought that it made more sense to propose a kind of bundle of textile emoji. And so I decided to do that. And she and I talked it through and came up with, I, th- I think the original list was probably something closer to knitting than yarn. But but we, we said knitting, a safety pin, thread, and needle were the ones that kind of made the most sense. And so I set about kind of writing these four proposals. And one of the things that they asked for was frequency of frequently requested. And one other thing that I will say about the proposal format is that they have this outline structure that is grammatically very wonky. So they ask you to assert the image's distinctiveness, and they also ask you to demonstrate that it is frequently requested. And I found a couple of really interesting resources. One, Emojipedia, which is this sort of encyclopedia of emoji images and history, maintains a list of the top emoji requests. And I actually don't know how they generate that list. Like, I don't know who's requesting them and where. But I think it's things that they get emailed about and things people request in other contexts. And sewing and knitting have been on that list since they started compiling it in 2016. Yeah. Like, how do you start? Because <laughs> to be a part of the like proposal process to show that it is requested without that resource, do you just start like scouring Facebook and Twitter and <laughs> screenshotting people like, oh, I really want this emoji. Why does it exist? <laughs> um, <laughs> that seems pretty yes. hard. And actually, our proposals all have Twitter screenshots of people grousing about the absence of knitting emoji and yarn emoji and sewing emoji. Yes. And I know that Emojipedia, they do a bunch of research. So they go out and look at what people are, basically what people are grousing about on Twitter. They look at places where people are publicly saying like, it's crazy that there's no X emoji. And that's part of their process for deciding what kinds of emoji people are asking for. So their research was one resource, but yes, absolutely. We took screenshots of people saying that they needed a safety pin emoji. And that was part of making the case. And one of the things that I found as I was doing that research was that I guess at this point, it was almost two years ago, when the character set that included the dumpling emoji came out, there was a bunch of grousing from people saying, why is there not a yarn emoji? And there was a a write-in campaign that I think Lion Brand Yarn had adopted (laughs) So Lion Brand Yard had put in this, put out this tweet saying like, everyone should complain. We need a, a yarn emoji. But <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter how much you yell on Twitter. If you don't actually write a proposal, you're not going to get anywhere. And I had been told that the emoji subcommittee was, they, they were really disinclined to accept proposals that had a corporate sponsor. So they weren't mm. going to create a yarn emoji because Lion Brand Yarns 
wanted them to create a yarn emoji. Right. So it was almost like counter to your uh, proposal. Right. Right. But as I was digging around, the other fa- thing I found was this woman in, I actually don't know if you're in Dallas or Austin, but, but I found Amberly who also put a post on Twitter and had started a petition asking people to sign her petition for a yarn emoji proposal or a knitting. I don't remember if it was a yarn emoji or knitting emoji, but I found her petition and reached out to her to ask if she was interested in co-authoring the proposal with me. Cause she had clearly done the work of kind of figuring out. She actually had figured out how the system worked at that point. I think she, she knew who she was petitioning at least. So I reached out to Amberly and we worked together to refine our proposal and figure out what exactly we wanted to request. And I think there were a bunch of things that were on the original list, like knitting needles, yarn and needles. I think crocheting might have been on the original list. We were sort of trying to figure out what was the right set of requests that actually made sense. Mm. So then this is where Amberly's story is, it comes in and uh, is interesting, too, because she has an entirely different angle for this. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe not entirely different, but, you know, different enough, right? <laughs> and this kind of ties back to, like, because we're a uh, software podcast mostly, so it kind of ties back to, like, the software aspect, right? Yeah, so I, I think really they're kind of separate stories on parallel tracks. My motivation was kind of also twofold, like Amanda's was where I started knitting in 2013 and I had a really, really good group of knitter friends uh, with a yarn shop, a little yarn shop up in DC. It was like a stitch and bitch group. And (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It was kind of a constant sort of like, where is the insert emoji here? Like, where's the yarn emoji? Where's the knitting emoji? And we would sort of semi sarcastically use like the spaghetti emoji I think <laughs> because it was like the most visually similar but so that had been something that was in the back of my mind but it te- teaches you a lot about yourself too because it was like oh this is like fiber art not really emojis kind of technical or like it's in the tech space and I didn't really connect that it was relevant or that I might have any power to change it uh, it just didn't occur mm. to me at the time. That's interesting. I feel like a lot of people are in that similar situation or maybe not situation, but like don't even know that you can make change on this. Right. So my brain didn't even make the like, why isn't this a thing? Let me look at how to make the thing. So when that happened for me, Amanda mentioned, you know, using emoji and everything in the BuzzFeed space. I love how you explained BuzzFeed a while ago. That was my favorite (laughs) description of BuzzFeed I've ever heard. But something similar that happened for me was I'm a software developer and around in 2016, the Yarn Package Manager was released. And that kind of turned something on in my head that was like, wait a minute, like I'm seeing all these software engineers now be like, where's the Yarn emoji? And I'm like, welcome to the club. <laughs> um, Do you want to join our, our, our Slack? <laughs> we can complain right? together. So I spent like on pretty decent amount of time semi-seriously like ranting and complaining to my coworkers who were primarily like male software engineers. <laughs> I remember I went to Houndstooth in the Frost Bank Tower after work and was just like, I'm going to figure out how this happens. And I spent a couple hours at the coffee shop just like I found the Unicode site and I found their proposal process and 
their structure for the proposal and everything. And I just started like doing the research and drafting out the proposal specifically for yarn. And maybe it was a bit naive of me, but to me, it was like, okay, here's the process. I follow the process. Cool. I mean, you have to make your case and it has to be compelling and it has to be well-written and it has to be supported and all that. But to me, it was like, okay, there's a process. And so at the same time, I did read about the dumpling emoji, but I didn't connect it to Emoji Nation. And they had started the Kickstarter for, I, I, we should talk about this later, but I think the sort of idea of the issue of representation on the committee and who gets to define language is really interesting. But I saw that they had done the Kickstarter and there was sort of this campaign aspect to it. So I ended up just throwing up this simple site so that if anyone Googled, they would find Yarn Emoji. So it's still up at yarnemoji.com. And that was how Amanda found me. I got this random email. I sort of like had this burst of energy and I did all the research and I wrote the draft sort of piecemeal, filling out the different sections uh, of the way they have it outlined on the Unicode site. And then I feel like like a month or two went by and I had kind of not looked at it for a bit. And then I get this random email from this website that I almost forgot about that was just like, hey, I'm working on, you know, this series of proposals. And if you're working on knitting or yarn or whatever, like maybe we could work together. And I was like, well, that's sweet. (laughs) (laughs) So then she opened up this whole world to me of like, there's this whole imagination organization sort of 100% devoted to democratizing the process of language formation through Mm. creating emojis. And so then I got really into that. But yeah, my, my primary motivator was yarn. So what's the status uh, of, you know, the yarn, the spool, those emoji right now? So the yarn, the spool of thread and the safety pin, they're all approved emoji for the 2018 release. And I, Amanda and I actually, I DM'd Amanda a couple of months ago when I saw someone use the spool of thread emoji for like a Twitter thread. You know how people will be like all caps mm-hmm. thread and then have like ah. a, a thread of tweets. Um, mm-hmm. I saw someone That's do awesome. that just out of the blue. And I was like, oh my God, is it out? Uh, and the thing about these individual vendors is that they, it sort of gets released piecemeal. So at the time, Twitter had, I think, released their versions of this year's new emoji, but others hadn't. Um, so I think so how, I, how does that work? Because like you'd think that Twitter would be on the like it would be kind of device dependent on what browser you're using. Like if you're on a Windows or a Mac or you know a Linux box, right? Is that provide cool. your own emoji set, right? Like I know yeah. Facebook does this too. Oh, I'm painfully aware that Facebook does it because I can't <laughs> use the crossed finger emoji on Facebook <laughs> because it oh, actually no. gives me nightmares. <laughs> I have to go look at this now. It's so creepy looking. <laughs> okay. Oh, so like Slack, for example, is another where they provide their own. It's like a software provided emoji set. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure that Slack actually adheres to like the standard Unicode set. Uh-huh. I think it's kind of its own thing, but I might be wrong about that. Sorry, go Slack ahead. definitely supports the full Unicode set. They also have a bunch of emoji that are that they've added that aren't part of the set. Slack emoji. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then every every Slack also has its like kind of local Slack emoji. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm so sorry. how does that this, work with like cut and paste? Finger, 
Facebook emoji is yes, I agree with you, Amberly. Thank you. <laughs> That's horrid. Wow. Yeah. I have yet to find someone who disagrees with me about that. <sighs> I had never seen it before, and I'm now like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So how does it work if, if like a, a vendor like Twitter is using a, a different emoji set? How does that work with like, you know, cut and paste? Like if I want to, you know, copy the content of one tweet into something else, so are they using an image there? Or are they using? They're using, they're using an image. And okay. have, have you ever, I feel like this doesn't happen as much anymore, but for a long time, I would often get texts from people and mm-hmm. your the text message would have that little box with a little yeah, yeah. code point in it. And you're like, little alien thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So definitely, if you don't have the emoji character set that includes the, the glyph that you're looking at, you're going to get that little box that, that has a description of the code point. And I think that what's happening is that Twitter is using JavaScript or sort of generally programming. There were air quotes that you can't see. <laughs> Twitter is using their software to sub in their emoji glyph whenever someone enters that code point. So even if you don't have the most up-to-date Unicode on your computer, you can still see those in Twitter. So I, I don't have, if I copy and paste it into a text editor on my computer, what I'm going to see is my little box that says 01F9F5 in it. But if I get into Twitter, it shows up. And so I can see them on Twitter, but I can't see them anywhere else. Do you really have the code point memorized? (laughs) No, I'm looking at it. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was really hoping. Oh, man. You live and breathe it. (laughs) No, I'm not that compulsive. (laughs) We both definitely have our emojis on our Twitter bios, though. Absolutely. And I did see Amanda's bio, and it's it's pretty great. <laughs> they started showing up on Twitter, and I think that somebody in Emoji Nation probably told me they were out, and that was when I first started using them. Amberly might have actually seen it. It sounds like you just saw it in the wild, which is kind of amazing. I saw uh, it in the wild with this tweet thread, and yeah, I just DM'd you. Like I was like, like manic. That. I was like, Amanda, is it out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like I saw that 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 same usage too, although I obviously did not connect any dots. <laughs> this last week, October 2nd, I'm also looking things up. I'm just going to cop to the fact that I am on a computer looking things up so I can fact check myself. Um, <laughs> Apple actually released their emoji glyph set. So by now, any updated iOS device should have the full 2018 emoji, which in addition to a kind of amazing chunky yarn, and safety pin, there's also a bunch of stuff that there's a broom and a laundry basket. There's a bunch of really basic kind of householdy stuff that Ooh. certainly belongs in the character set alongside wrenches and hammers. Absolutely. I think one of the big ones too for this year, was it this year that it's the hijab? No, the hijab actually came out with the dumpling. The hijab has been available. It's been out. Okay. Yeah. So did did it come with iOS twelve or twelve dot one? I don't know for sure. I just know. Okay, I think, I'm looking at it and it says 12.1. I feel really, okay. I feel like I'm like, um, I should be ashamed that I'm like, well, I've, I've used the internet to search for this. <laughs> I will say I have no idea what the release numbers are. So yes, Hold Blue Emoji Support has appeared for the first time on iOS for 2018 with today's release of the iOS 12.1 beta 2 for developers. 
That is amazing. So do you get some kind of uh, satisfaction? You have to, right? From people uh, like using the emoji and it's starting to make its way out there. And you so know, much. Like, do you, okay. Oh my God. I like have yes. to, right? <laughs> yes. Like oh, I, I didn't, I didn't even really expect it. Like seeing that random tweet using the spool of thread for like a tweet thread was like, I saw it and I just got so psyched, you know, cause to me it was like, I'm a knitter. I have knitter friends. It started with yarn. And then really Amanda and through Amanda, Jenny and them really sort of broadened my idea of what it all really meant. So seeing someone using it in the wild for a totally different application than I had ever thought of was like, that's legit. Mm. Yes. I definitely have a sewing emoji search (laughs) in my tweet deck. And sometimes when I'm feeling like I need a little like self-validation, I'll go look over there and find people who are saying things like, why is there no sewing emoji? And I'll just reply with all the sewing emoji that we just got. (laughs) So I definitely like, like it's part of my, my work in this life to make sure that not only do they exist, but people know about them. (laughs) Awesome. I would do the same thing though. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Totally. So were there any like hitches in the proposal process? Um, I know we, we've kind of alluded to it, but the, the thing that you started off wanting, Amanda, didn't make it, right? I know. So I know. how did that process happen from like you two meeting each other and then going through the actual committee and the, the review process and then it being accepted? And, and what, what did that mean? So the process is actually incredibly opaque. We wrote this whole proposal. A bunch of people edited it, which is one of the other nice things about collaborating with Emoji Nation was there's a bunch of people who are just really excited about emoji and Mm -hmm. the kind of like language making that Amberly was talking about. So there's a whole bunch of people who just jumped in and gave us copy edits and feedback, um, which was super helpful. And then there was a deadline and we submitted it to the committee and it actually shows up in the Unicode register, which is also a very official kind of document register. I was a little excited about that too, mm. but then they have their meeting. And so they they first have a meeting and there's like a, a rough pass and then they make their formal recommendations. So the emoji subcommittee makes formal recommendations to the Unicode consortium. And then the consortium votes to accept or reject the emoji subcommittees recommendations. So it's there's a, it's a very long process, but unless you're going and checking the document file and meeting minutes from the Unicode consortium meetings, you're never going to know that it happened. Or so it's actually you know someone like connected through there cuz Exactly. one of the one of the things in our first pass, I think it wasn't that it was rejected, it was that we needed to modify something cuz I think the art, we do have art for knitting needles with yarn because at one point I think we weren't totally sure that a ball of yarn would be visually distinct enough in like this emoji size to look like Mm -hmm. yarn and so we had put it with sort of a knit piece on knitting needles oh that's Um, right there was a piece of a little bit of knitted fabric right and I I think that through probably through Jenny or the people actually in the room, the feedback I remember is that there's like a, a crocheter in the room who was like, yeah, why isn't there a yarn emoji, but knitting needle. Right. <laughs> so there was a little bit of the, like, that was how I think we ended up from knitting needles with a fiber piece to ball of yarn. Maybe. I think that sounds right. 
I'm actually sure that I, 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 this also coincides with my recollection. There were some things that they had had questions about and that happened really fast. Cause I feel like it was like, we had a couple of days and I guess yeah. we could have stuck to our guns and said, no, we're only interested in a needed bit of fabric. And there was also, we worked with an illustrator and went back and forth with her because the initial piece that she had illustrated was sort of not, I feel like the knitting needles were crossing in a way that was kind of not how knitting works. Yeah. And so there was, there was a little bit of back and forth around that as well. But then once they decided that the three that they liked, the thread, yarn, and safety pin, were going to move to the next stage, I actually had to go back and look at the minutes to find out that the two reasons that they didn't move the sewing needle onto the next stage were that they didn't, that one, they thought it was adequately represented by the thread, which I wholeheartedly disagree with, Hmm. and that they thought it wasn't visually distinctive. That's a much harder one because a sewing needle, which is really just a very fine piece of metal with a an eye at the end, you get down to a really small size and it is maybe a little hard to know what you're looking at. But I, there, I think there's such a big difference between the kind of static object, which is the spool or the thread, which represents a lot of things and is important. And the needle, which is the active tool that you use to do the making, to do the mending, to do the cobbling. Yeah, I almost feel like the... I'm surprised that, uh, you know, it it almost isn't reversed when I think of, you know, certainly in my mind, what I think is more culturally important in terms of just the number of places in which it appears, it's definitely the needle as being kind of, yeah. Yeah. And I think that the thread and yarn, they're important. There's a lot of things. And I think that the decision to have a ball of yarn rather than a bit of knitting Makes sense because it, there's a lot of things that you can use a ball of yarn for that aren't just knitting. Um, right. And I, and I and think it's that a, thread, it's the first step, too, that's not exclusive. It doesn't exclude anyone in the right. fiber arts community. Right. But there's so many things, you know, sutures and, and closing wounds. Mm-hmm. You're not using a little spool of, of cotton thread for that, or polyester thread. And stuff like embroidery and beadwork. You might be using thread or fiber of some sort that started on a spool, but you might not. Embroidery floss is not sold in a spool. And all of the kind of shoemaking, there's all these places where we use needles of all kinds of different size work making. And you don't always use thread. Sometimes you're using yarn. Sometimes you're using leather cord. Sometimes you're using bits of, I would say, yucca. You know, you're, you're using plant fibers to do baskets and and in all of these different practices, that process of hooking it through the eye and and sewing it is how it's actually made. It still sort of mystifies me why they haven't accepted it. But they also didn't reject it, which is really interesting. I don't know how many other emoji are sort of sitting in this weird nether space because sometimes they just reject them outright. I think uh there was a proposal for a coin that they just said no. (laughs) Was it like a coin? That would be fast. (laughs) <laughs> oh god <laughs> well they have to add one for every please new, don't uh, bring up the blockchain <laughs> yeah literally the pager of 2017 um, <laughs> so so what recourse is now available to y'all and to us by extension yes. to get the sewing needle I'm actually working on a revised proposal and I've been trying to figure out what are all the arguments that I'm missing for why sewing and the needle are not adequately represented by the thread and yarn. And 
a bunch of things. A, a, a friend of mine named Mari, who's half Japanese, half American, but lives in Guatemala and does all this kind of artisan textile work, pointed out that there's a whole holiday in Japan devoted to bringing your broken needles and thanking them for their service. And um, I know I thought this was really cool. I've been trying to formulate sort of what are all of the arguments for the necessity of both a needle and a spool. Um, so I would definitely, if anybody has interesting ways to phrase that, I would love, I would love more arguments. Yeah, boy. I mean, it's, but it's hard to imagine the arguments that you've just, anything being more compelling than the arguments that you've just laid out that, you know, I think you named about seven contexts, shoemaking, medicine, different fibers where the, the needle operates completely and totally independent of, of the thread. It looming so large uh, in kind of our collective conscious with, you know, holidays, right, being dedicated to them. And, you know, except for I think the Cro-Magnon pager, the, um, which is made out of stone, I believe. Uh, you know, that being the only artifact that predates. <laughs> There's the idiom landscape as well. So things like finding a needle in a haystack, you can't yeah. represent. There's yeah, That has a very specific right. meaning. There's a whole and for puns. I've been resisting saying a pun this whole time. <laughs> oh, share your pun with us. Now you have to say it. Uh, it's like, well, you could say that trying to get this through the the committee is like threading a needle. Maybe there's a good because there, there's a there's a biblical quote about right. getting getting it's into more... heaven and a camel through the eye of a needle. I forget actually how it. Ooh, more difficult to, think, my, my Bible to thread a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Exactly, exactly. And there's this sort of do re mi so a needle pulling thread, right? Like there's there are all these places where it's about the needle. Like and the somebody had a primary agent. I know, I know. It is the it's the prime actor, and so maybe this is a good segue into kind of talking about the, like the 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 makeup of the committee and the decision making process. Um, and how that might, you know, these kind of what seem like very clear arguments, you know, might not be received as such. I certainly don't want to say anything bad about anybody on the committee. I'm not looking, no, no, I'm not looking to, you know, I, I don't think that there's anything bad, but I mean, we, we, we taught, you know, I think that, um, being receptive is just to things which are familiar to us versus which things that aren't is a very natural human thing. And it can be interesting to see that at work and at yeah. play. And the Unicode Consortium is also evaluating all of these requests for whole language glyph sets. You know, lots of languages and lots of um, character sets are kind of obvious. Like there has to be a Cyrillic character set and there has to be an Arabic character set. But there are a lot of languages that have been left out of that because they're very small minority languages or they are historical languages where the, the actual writing is no longer written the same way, but there's there's historical reasons to be able to represent those those characters. And and one of the reasons why the emoji subcommittee kind of cares about what gets into the the formal character set is that everybody has to accommodate it. And there's already been, I think, some grousing. People start to moan and groan about how there's too many emoji and it's too hard right. to find things. And and there's no take backs. There's no take backs. You can't undo it. But so the committee is made up of representatives from a lot of tech companies primarily, although there's a couple of other kind of odd additional folks on there. 
and I did try to find the committee list, and I can't find it right now. No, I, I have I have it from Imagination. Uh, I don't know if it's up to date, but uh, Oracle, IBM, Microsoft, Adobe, Apple, Google, Facebook, Shopify, and Netflix. The other voting members being yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the other others being the German software company. Do you say SAP? SAP. Um, the Chinese telecom company Huawei and the government of Oman. Yeah, the Ooh. government of Oman is a fascinating one. It's never. Yeah. I don't think they're the ones that are, are fighting us on this. Oh. <laughs> Especially for those tech companies, every time the emoji character set adds 10 or 12 emoji, they then have to accommodate it on their, their devices. They have to put illustrators on it. They have to deal with everyone saying that the crossed fingers emoji in Facebook looks like I don't even know what. Um, hey, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> it's all your fault. Um, but there's a whole process and there's there's non-trivial work associated with every single new emoji. Mm-hmm. And so wanting to put the brakes on a little bit and be intentional about where and when they apply that word doesn't seem crazy to me. Oh, I, like I just want them to, I want them to approve the thing that I want. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that imagination captures it. I mean, I looked at their website earlier and I actually took it down, but their goal, quote, imagination wants to make emoji emoji approval an inclusive representative process. You know, there has to be a process, there's overhead involved, but, you know, looking at the makeup of who the decision makers are is not a trivial question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And because ultimately so, these things are going to be like this is a great you know great example. I can't even escape this um, this metaphor. But you know these little artifacts, these emojis, are literally being woven to the fabric of a global culture. And so like everybody is go- everybody uses them, and they become part of the collective subconscious. And so it it does seem like very important that that be democratic in some way. I mean, and I it sounds like there is a process, but making sure that everyone has a stake. Yeah. What was the the reason that they gave for not accepting the needle and thread? Was it like a soft no? Because you said it's like just hanging out, not really rejected, but not accepted. And I'm looking, so we're going to drop a link in the the show notes for the proposal of your GitHub and everything. I'm looking at the, the PDF that was put together and it seems like it was all a package deal, right? Like we talked about. So how do they just like draw, do they just take like, like a lawyer would and just like draw, like cross it out and say, well, no. Well, we'll take the other ones. Yes, basically. I mean, they what they what they did. They don't what they did is they meet to discuss. And I don't know how long they've been meeting, but they meet to discuss all of the proposals that are have been supplied by a particular deadline. And that sounds painful. Yeah, I mean, hours of sounds like, like about yeah. <laughs> emojis. Well, and then one of the things that they rejected, I think. Because there's a, there's the smiling poo face. Somebody wanted a frowning poo face, and they rejected that. Um, <laughs> but so and there's so there's a bunch of things that that actually do get rejected. I don't know if I even really care about a smiling poo face versus a frowning poo face. <laughs> what about but, an angry one? <laughs> we got all the feelings of poo. I know. Uh, <laughs> we got important work to do here. <laughs> but, but so they sort of go through when they're trying to figure out. And so I think to some degree, you want to get them when they're not tired, right? But what they did was, I think it's currently listed, the status that it's listed right now is committee pushback. So they've, 
Okay. They they set it aside and said, we have some concerns. We're not going to reject it outright, but we're not really sure why this isn't adequately represented. And then their most recent meeting, they just kind of passed on reconsidering it, which is fine because I hadn't, I think I was traveling and I was just like, I have not, my proposal's not done. I really want to make sure that I have consolidated every imaginable argument in one place. Make it so, strong as possible. Yeah. And I will say, so if people want to help, the other thing that would be amazing is any and all idioms that you can think of, especially ones that are not in English or European languages. So idioms in Central European languages, idioms in Asian languages that refer to needles, either translations of the kind of classic finding a needle in a haystack, but also any any idioms that are kind of unusual and specific to a culture outside of ones I have experience with would be amazing for making the case that this is an international need. Did they yeah. give any specific or like actionable feedback or do they just say, we're going to push back on this. We're just not quite sure. The two things that were in the minutes. So there are minutes and they published the minutes to Unicode.org. And the things that were in the minutes were that it was not visually distinct and okay. which it's not totally crazy. And we actually, we worked with an illustrator to get a different image. And so the first image was almost at 90 degrees. It was kind of straight up and down. And it is it is a little hard to see. And the second Especially image... Especially because it thins. <laughs> yeah, right. It's thin. The second image is actually a kind of stylized needle because it's fairly, it's a little fatter and the eye is bigger. Um, but, but it's much more distinctively a needle. So I'm hoping that that will also convince them. But you know, you have to you have to be able to tell at a very small size that it's a needle. The other thing that they said was that they that it was already represented that sewing was already represented by the thread that we didn't need mm -hmm. thread and needle. But it was literally one line in the minutes that referenced that. And then it's sort of like, did you have somebody in the room or not? And so if there's somebody on the committee who's willing to tell you like really what their concerns were then you have some sense of what they're looking for and why they're why why they're pushing back when you can very much see in the earliest uh, emoji character sets that i have a hammer and i have a wrench and i use them and i'm not but but there's these very conventionally male tools there's mm -hmm. we have all of the kind of office supplies but all of the like homemaking and housekeeping and textile production None of them were there until very, very recently. And I think it does reflect kind of the the gender of the people who've been making these tools that sewing and knitting weren't weren't important right. enough as as human practices to be included in this glyph set. I think that is non-trivial to mention because like that wasn't an argument that I made in my original yarn draft. And Amanda and Jenny sort of pushing to open it up to this whole sort of slate of craft emoji. I didn't realize until they brought that up that really I took I took a, a stroll through pretty much the whole slate of emoji and you could count on almost one hand the number that represented sort of creative endeavors or sort of more traditionally known as creative things like mm -hmm. camera or uh, there's like painting palette stuff like that. It was extremely limited. I don't even think Maybe there's stuff like that. I think there's like a few different variations on the camera and then there's yeah. the painting palette and that's it. Oh, there's the uh, the theater mask. Oh, that's Sorry. right. That's right. There is the theater, the, uh, the happy side yeah, mask. I, and I, I don't, I don't know exactly. And I haven't read the minutes like Amanda has, but I, I think and I hope that that was sort of a 
a particularly compelling piece of that argument. I think they definitely yeah. heard it. Yeah. Opening it up then. So what else is coming uh, in the, the way of craft? Like it, it sounds like this is, you know, historical, but that these pieces are being filled in not only uh, with the work that uh, y'all are doing, but uh, um, by, by other emoji, which are appearing. Yeah. And are you in, are you in contact with other people who are kind of um, uh, associated with, with maybe craft and textiles and other kind of what you're labeling uh, historically creative spaces? I don't think there are any more, with a possible exception, someone's working on a vinyl record proposal, which I think is great. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Is like, it though? Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe not, right? I don't know. You should take, <laughs> I take, totally a, stroll, take a stroll through the um, Imagination Slack and people discuss that. Yeah. Well, if you, if you <laughs> take like, a look at Imagination.org, the whole Airtable database is on there. There's not a lot of other creative ones. A, f- a friend of mine got really bent out of shape about the lack of alliums and wrote a whole slate proposal for leeks and scallions and garlic and onions. <laughs> oh, there isn't a garlic one, right? No, I mean, there is. There's- so, actually, I'm looking at the Unicode page for uh, current emoji candidates. They first get listed as, I forget the exact order, uh, they become draft candidates and then provisional candidates or vice versa. Uh, but I don't see any pending further creative ones, but garlic and onion are on there. Yes. Yeah. That makes my Italian heart happy. <laughs> <laughs> so garlic and onions were, and I think is the mechanical, there's some prosthesis, a mechanical leg and a mechanical arm, a guide hearing dog. Aid, ear with hearing aid, service dog. Yeah. There's a good chunk of kind of interesting things that have been left out that were, I guess they've been approved by the subcommittee, but are still waiting on final approval by the Unicode Consortium. Ooh, okay. Um, what are the next steps that we can do to help push the the thread and needle proposal through it? You mentioned a couple of things like um, coming up with idioms that are uh, through different languages and whatnot, but how, how can we contact you and, and like push this effort and help? Oh, that's such a good question. I don't even know. I mean, I am Amanda at Velociraptor.info, and you're totally welcome to email me if you want to help with this, and I will bring That's some That's a great to help. domain, by yes. the way. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no information about Velociraptors anywhere on that site. That's the way it should be. <laughs> but, but also, if you're excited about working on emoji proposals, Emoji Nation is an incredibly great resource, and folks there, including me, actually, will help you identify things that are on other people's wish lists that you could work on if you just want to work on something um, and will help you kind of refine your proposal if you know what you want and will help you figure out whether it's worth putting the time in or not and how to make it compelling. So you can definitely check out emojination.org and I think there's a path to get onto the Slack from there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Slack and the air table. Yeah. It sounds like there's a whole community that was born out of this where everybody's trying oh, to like, yeah. help each other and yeah. uh, collaborate and get their shared ideas across. Definitely. And there's a woman, Melissa Thurms, who's fantastic, who actually is a social media coordinator. I forget her actual title, but she she works for the National Health Service in the UK and was tasked with getting a whole series of health-related emoji passed. So there's a bunch is of she things the one that doing she's... Blood? She's doing blood. 
Yeah. That's a good uh, one. Because there's a lot of really important health reasons why you need to be able to talk about blood and giving blood and bloodborne illnesses and the ones listed on the emoji candidate page are blood donation, medicine, and menstruation. Yeah. That's really interesting. So, like, she works for the government, right? And that was her job, a part of her job to do that? Yes. That's awesome, actually. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. 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 I think the drop of blood, the bandage, and the stethoscope are the three that are in the current iteration, which is interesting because there's, you know, the the existing kind of medical emoji were the pill and that, that gruesome syringe with the little drops yeah. of blood flying mm. off of it. Yeah. <laughs> Which are not, do not do a lot to encourage people to go to the doctor. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, so a few more, just more, more welcoming, more, more welcoming medical emoji. So you have uh, a GitHub, right? Um, is that yeah. where you're still doing um, for the follow-up and the prep work for the sewing? Uh, yeah, that's probably the best place. I do have a Google Doc somewhere, but the easiest place to connect, that's probably a better place to connect even than my ridiculous Velociraptor email. The GitHub. Uh, <laughs> but it's still awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't lie. I'm very proud of it. I'm Amanda B., like the bumblebee, Amanda, A-M-A-N-D-A-B-E-E on GitHub. And um, the sewing emoji, the original proposals are there. And I will make sure that there is information about how to plug into the revised needle proposal there as well. And definitely, I guess you guys are a tech podcast. So if people want to just submit suggestions as issues on that repository, that's awesome. I will totally take suggestions that way. That would be pretty rad. So, well, I appreciate you two being on the podcast. I loved hearing uh, your stories and how they ended up converging and uh, for, you know, on parallel tracks, but ended up achieving the same goal and still unfinished. Right. So let's see if we can help um, push this over the finish line and get it done, because uh, I would really like to see a needle. I could definitely use that in uh-huh. many of my conversations. I already know <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. making all kinds of puns. Um, so. Thank you, yes. uh, Amanda, for, for coming on and sharing your story. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Amberly, for also coming on and sharing your story. Um, this was super awesome. Yeah, and thank you for connecting us to finally have a voice conversation. I know. It was great to actually talk to you, Amberly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, wow. This that, is the that, first actually, time uh, that y'all have actually talked in yeah. audio? Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> We're making things happen here. <laughs> <laughs> Always moving, always shaking. Right. The next thing we have to do is get this this proposal through and accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> two uh, converted two new faithful sewing needle partisans uh, here. <laughs> awesome. I'm I'm in. Awesome. Yeah, th- that would be. I know you've already gotten two, uh, what three three through um and accepted. Yeah. That's yeah. got to be, we talked about that. That's got to be really awesome. <laughs> um, so like, I think I want to try and, and jump in and, and get that same satisfaction because a lot of people use emojis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. It definitely makes me think like you look at, you know, you look at every single emoji and there is definitely a story. It sounds like, especially for the ones that are, have been added uh, more recently, there's a lot of work that goes into every single pixel uh, that represents a lot of human time, which I'm sure you all know. So thank you. Thanks for having us on. 
Yeah, thank you guys. Cool. So that is the the podcast. We are we are front side. Uh, we build UI. You can stake your future on. Um, really love this podcast because it was wasn't necessarily technical, but um, had a lot of interesting conversation about uh, how how to work within a, a proposal and actually probably make a bigger impact than any of us will with software. Um, just because just the the sheer reach that emojis have are insane, and and the fact that you can influence this process is new to me and really cool. Um, so I hope, I hope a lot of other people learn from that too. If you have any feedback uh, that you would like to give us on the podcast, we're always open to receive feedback uh, and have our, our doors and ears open. <laughs> so if you'd like to send an email uh, at contact at frontside.io or uh, shoot us a tweet or DM us um, at the frontside on Twitter, um, we'd love to hear it. Thank you, Mandy, for producing the podcast. She always does an amazing job with it. Um, so you can follow her on Twitter at, at the Ruby Rep. Thanks. Have a good one.